1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Books and Technology. I'm your host, Jasmine McNeely. Now, imagine a political party, actually a political movement focused on areas related to communication and information policy, a movement primarily concerned with technocratic impositions into the ideals of free culture, privacy, government transparency, and other technology policy issues. What would such a movement look like? Well, we don't have to really use our imaginations much about this. Such parties and movements exist or are arising all over the world. And today we're going to talk specifically about one or or more of those, and that is the Swedish Pirate Party. To help us with our discussion, we have Patrick Burkert, an associate professor in the Department of Communication at Texas A&M University. He's also a visiting scholar at the University of Helsinki, and he's the author of the new book, Pirate Politics, the New Information Policy Contest. Welcome, Patrick.
0: Thanks for having me, Jasmine.
1: No problem. I'm really interested in this. But first, just to give the audience a little background, could you tell us some more about yourself and how you got interested in pirate politics?
0: Well, my interest in pirate politics really started out as an interest in popular music and looking at how music fans were beginning to use new technology particularly peer-to-peer file sharing, uh, in uh, sharing, sharing new music and uh, music collections online. And in particular, the Napster system caught my attention back in the, gosh, early 2000s, late 1990s. <laughs> right. Getting old. And uh, it was the sequence of events that took down Napster as a legal option and subsequent iterations of peer-to-peer file sharing, which made me realize that, uh, for one thing, technologies for sharing were becoming targeted uh, for, for disruption or elimination by large media companies. And then I began to realize that the fan base who were using and developing and enjoying these systems were beginning to organize and fight back and it was research done uh on music and cyber liberties that made me aware of the fact that uh, coalitions were forming in North America uh which were focused on protecting software as free as as a variety of free speech mm-hmm. and protecting uh, access to untrammeled internet resources in general as a matter of uh, freedom of access to the internet and as We began to learn about uh, some of the online systems being developed to surveil and track and uh, collect user information online, uh, both to fight piracy, but also uh, for marketing purposes. Uh, I began noticing that a lot of these coalitions were focusing on privacy concerns as well, online privacy. So when I was finishing a book called Music and Cyber Liberties in 2010 I began to get messages about a pirate party organizing in Sweden um, around the same period of time and so I realized that that really there was an international phenomenon to look at and uh, at that juncture I Uh, started on the next book, and Mm -hmm. that's taken me to uh, uh, Sweden and uh, to Germany and to Finland. And at this juncture, there are pirate parties in dozens and dozens of countries around the world now.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, what exactly is pirate politics?
0: Pirate politics is a social movement that started in civil society, organizations uh, to engage politicians and voters around the issues of digital rights. And those rights, those areas of concern are, are, are privacy, free speech, and access. And, you know, the Pirates adopted uh, the name Pirates because they figured it was a a catchy way to draw attention to uh, cyber liberties issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, one of the leaders of the Pirate Party of Sweden, Rickard Falkving, has said, um, if we called ourselves the copyright copyright reform party, nobody would pay attention to us whatsoever.
1: Right.
0: so they've they've embraced this pirate label.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what made um, your book focuses a lot on SPP or the Swedish Pirate Party? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what made Sweden uh, a hotbed or a place where uh, such a party was ripe to arise? And Sweden, I would also note, is like has ties to WikiLeaks. Correct?
0: Yes, they do. Yeah. The <laughs> cat that's a great question and I spend some time in pirate politics investigating why why Sweden in particular fomented this movement and and allowed it a, a, a geographical territory to, to take off from and I look at I look at a lot of factors but you know I think the most important one is the fact that the Pirate Bay um, search engine developed uh, in Sweden among music fans who were busy trying to develop technologies for uh, web web webcasting music, and as their as their index of searchable. Files for download developed uh, into the Pirate Bay. It attracted a lot of attention from American-based, U.S.-based media companies who insisted that Sweden, sw- Swedish authorities take it down. And in uh, 2006, we saw the first example of police Uh, actions that actually targeted the Pirate Bay as a file-sharing search engine and Disrupted disrupted the Pirate Bay as a as a server farm uh, on Swedish territory. So, the backlash among fans and 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 techies and geeks and developers who were all dependent in one way or another on the Pirate Bay uh, began began gathering their energies around around uh, these in opposition to these police raids. Mm-hmm. There was there was another another legal event as well in 2009 which galvanized. Uh, an incipient party into a formal party, and that was the passage of a military surveillance bill, which put uh, the military in charge of monitoring internet connection, uh, internet communication across uh, Swedish borders. And uh, pirates very quickly connected the dots between, you know, uh, the need for surveillance of, you know, supposedly terrorist activities and child pornography and the need for corporations to begin monitoring the internet for evidence of file sharing and so pi- piracy uh, and privacy became united in some important in some important important ways in the minds of Internet activists in Sweden. I also look at how um, Sweden has allied itself uh, politically with the United States and Japan and Canada and the European Commission, all of whom negotiate free trade agreements around uh, media exports, and since Sweden is one of the few com- countries in, in the European Union that actually has more export of um, media exports than imports. The Swedish government was very eager to uh, uh, tamp out uh, piracy as a as a cultural phenomenon in the country, and worked very closely with the United States in uh, in in developing some strategies for doing so. And there are some political factors around uh, the Swedish participation in the European parliamentary elections that factor into you know the way that the pirates were able to get a foothold into the European Parliament, um, low v- voter turnout in European elections typically offers opportunities for smaller parties in parliamentary systems to, uh, to engage uh, the, the, the formal political system. And I think we saw evidence of that as well in 2009 when the Pirates uh, eventually placed two members of Parliament uh, at the uh, European Parliament. And then I look at cultural factors as well. Um, Sweden has a huge techno culture, you might say. There's there's a lot of uh, hackers and uh, uh, web uh, developers and software developers and musicians who are technophilic and who enjoy really good internet connectivity around the country. And you know these people depend on unfettered internet uh, resources for their for their for their creative lives and often for their livelihoods, and um, I think I think the techno techno files in in Sweden really banded together uh, in support of pirate politics. And one of the last uh, considerations uh, on the cultural side of things that I look at as well in the book Pirate Politics is this long-standing tradition from the from the Middle Ages, actually, of um, public access, respect for public access to private property. Mm-hmm. And partly because, you know, Sweden and other Nordic countries have such cold, dark uh, winters, um, as a matter of survival, um, Scandinavian communities uh, permitted um, individuals and, and families to, um, to cross private property from going from one village to another uh, without uh, without impediment and this notion of every man's right or alaman's uh has been has been a long-standing tradition uh, allowing uh, individuals the the right to access Uh, private property uh, and even canoe and ski across private uh, territories and collect berries and collect mushrooms um, without without uh, you know, without the fear of being um, shot or yeah. arrested. <laughs> I'm comparing my own home state of Texas, I guess, <laughs> mentally to to the Swedish situation. Um, but Allemansraten, I think, is in deeply instilled and ingrained cultural value for not only Swedes, but, but uh, Scandinavian uh, societies in general. And even in the UK, you can find the rambling tradition protected. And I think of the younger generation of people here who've grown up with the Internet as more or less adopting this cultural sensitivity to um, public access, um, geographically speaking, uh, and applying it to to online territories. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it's interesting because it seems that at least the pirate parties, in comparison to other... I guess, technology-oriented or uh, movements that have used technology in the past couple of years, that the pirate um, politics and and parties Mm -hmm. have maintained um, a certain level of activity and engagement, whereas other... Activism or movements um, using technology have kind of faded away, and i'm wondering if you mm. you have any idea why what may has made uh, the pirate party or and, and those connect those movements connected to it so uh, mm.
0: enduring
1: i guess mm, mm,
0: mhm mhm. <laughs> that's a great question um... and I, i'll start by saying that uh, the endurance of pirate politics is actually being called into question right now because um, the swedish pirate party didn't do so well in the last european parliamentary elections mm-hmm. uh... although um... The German Pirate Party picked up a seat uh, for the first time in the European Parliament on this last go-around. Um, but I think that you're right. There is an enduring um, uh, and persistent trail of activities and, and, and evidence of organization in, in the Pirate Parties. Um, just this year, the Pirate Parties of Europe, Formalized um, a, a pan european platform uh, so that activists who want to who want to run campaigns in the future have a common um, have a common platform to uh, uh, to organize around. Are you still with me because Oh yeah, I'm still here. Okay, All right. and uh, um, and so that's evidence of 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 a continued gelling of the of the movement, I would say. Um, but I think the more general answer to your question about the persistence of pirate politics is that we keep having new revelations practically every month about the uh, endangered. Uh, condition of internet freedoms, um, ranging from censorship online to uh, reduced access and threats to net neutrality, for example, uh, which is a really important cornerstone of the access principle of pirate politics. And I would say even more, even more glaringly, uh, privacy issues um, have really, have really become Prominent, I would say, in, in the in, in public imagination because we learn every day how, uh, for example, the NSA and other government surveillance. Apparatuses are uh, training their sensors on private communications, uh, practically without restriction. And even though the the EU has some formal privacy protections in place, uh, we're beginning to learn that um, there are some huge loopholes through which um, the United States government and 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 potentially other governments as well can can slip through and monitor private um you know commercial and non-commercial communication and i think that uh s- growing realization that the internet is uh, is a uh uh becoming an instrument of domination rather than a a, a domain of freedom as it uh, has been i think in in uh, uh in years past is uh is informing pirate politics in new ways mm-hmm. every every day and every year. So I think it's an unlikely uh, movement. I think the movement's unlikely to to diminish. Now, you raise the possibility that it may not be pirate parties who who are the ones that uh, defend the internet from these different forms of um, colonization, mm-hmm. as I call it. Um, and, in fact, we're starting to see, at least in the European context, uh, the, the European Greens are uh, re-energizing partially around um, um, an idea of of cultural environmentalism, based on internet freedoms, and they they're starting to identify the internet as a as a natural domain with freedoms you know uh, emanating from it that are under attack and that are uh, being polluted and that are being hemmed in by different kinds of powerful interests, and so different political parties are are beginning to adopt. Um, the the plat- policy platforms of the pirates, and so we may see that the pirate parties themselves uh, have a diminishing. Um, presence, but their set of interests and their set of uh, cultural orientations are picked up by other players. Mm-hmm.
1: Sure, I, I think of uh, New
0: Zealand and the rise
1: now of the Internet Party um, mm-hmm. with connections to you know Kim dot com. Yes, uh, <laughs> with do you think we'll see um, a lot more of these kind of parties arise as as time goes on, or?
0: I I do, I do. And um, um, now I think we have to be realistic about the fact that there are some political systems that are more amenable uh, to cultural environmentalist parties of all stripes um, than others. And the parliamentary systems seem to be the ones... You know where these smaller parties, uh, including the Pirates, but also including the Greens, you know, who started off as fringe parties, and there's new feminist parties uh, arising in Europe right now. Um, but the parliamentary system seem to allow the the smaller contenders um, to have. Greater traction and, and 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 you know float some trial balloons, uh, whereas our bicameral system in the United States, uh, on the other hand, uh, is 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 punishing for third parties and and, and smaller parties, and um, you know leads leads more often to gridlock uh, than it does um, accommodation of new perspectives.
1: You know, um, in your book, when you're talking about the the rise of uh, pirate politics and parties, you use two dominant uh, theoretical perspectives, and I I just wanted to see if we could talk about those for a second. The first you use is, uh, you know, second generation critical theory, and then you also use new social movement theory to analyze, you know, the the parties arise in the histories and and what they're doing now, and I was just wondering if you could perhaps talk about those two theories or theoretical perspectives, just to give the audience some um, you know background
0: on those theories. Sure, sure. Well, second generation critical theory is is, is adapted from the Frankfurt School of of, uh, of critical theory that was famously Launched by um, uh, Horkheimer and Adorno back in the uh, uh, Second World War period, and second generation uh, critical theory is basically the uh, the set of uh, Marxist approaches that their students uh, elaborated from um, uh, on on cultural topics and political topics from uh, from from the Frankfurt School and. There's one in particular that I uh, that I look at, which is Habermas and his use of critical systems theory. And it blends together, I would say, the hermeneutic of suspicion that uh, his uh, his instructors uh, trained him in, but it also incorporates sociological systems theory uh, of a of a of a more Anglo uh, Anglo model. And what Habermas is able to do with critical systems theory is to describe how. There is a realm of communicative rationality around which our our our, our societies can function, uh, where we basically give each other space to uh, reach mutual understandings and coordinate social action uh, through dialogue and through debate. This has famously been parlayed into um, the public sphere theory that uh, so many of our colleagues work with in social sciences, mm-hmm. uh, but I would say that you know maybe the the underutilized concept which actually lies beneath public sphere theory in, in many ways is this notion of the colonization of the life world. Which is a, uh, you might call it a meta narrative for modern times, mm-hmm. which describes how, you know, um, communicative rationality or the life world, um, where we do have space to reach these these um, mutual understandings in 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 uh, free and rational contexts, you know, these spaces are 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 being taken over. By processes of bureaucracy and juridification, you know, or the spread of of, of uh, rules and regulations over over private domains of life and. Um, um, other, other areas that previously were um, uh, freely negotiated, as well as market pressures, you know, the classic neoliberal creep that we see into all aspects of uh, contemporary life these days. Mm-hmm. And this idea of colonization of the life world works really well, I think, to describe some of the processes going on uh, over, over Internet sociality that the pirates are highlighting, right? I mean, they are showing how some of the key areas of communicative rationality, privacy, the expectation of privacy, the expectation of access to each other's ideas and freedom of expression you know these are all being burdened with rules and regulations and special conditions being imposed by you know technocrats or police or bureaucrats of all kinds Uh, and I think that the pirates are able to to flag those processes and and show them to be disruptive and damaging. And new social movement theory keys off of this this basic model of colonization of the life world. And the same generation of scholars who graduated from uh, you know who, who who took instruction from the Frankfurt School uh, also contributed to social theory that helped explain the emergence of feminism, and uh, in the 70s and 80s as a political movement in Europe, of ecology and environmentalism, uh, of anti nuclear weapons movements, uh, anti nuclear energy movements, and there's a there's a there's a school of thinking that uh, that was principally looking at uh, uh, social movements from the 70s and 80s who, who describe cultural colonization in, in these second-generation critical theory terms. And I, I've just borrowed that framework to see how well it works for uh, pirate politics. And uh, it was an experiment, but I think that... Um, I think that we can find parallels today in the social movements from um, thirty or forty years ago, and in fact, you know, I think that pirate politics might just be an extension of environmentalism and feminism, uh, as um, as um, perhaps the same social movement just stretched intergenerationally mm-hmm.
1: now I, you know it's interesting as you say that and I wanted to ask you about terminology and one of the things one of the terms you use just now and also in the book is the term colonization which to me and perhaps to other people is, is a loaded term right so colonization mm-hmm. we think of um, uh, imperialism and, mm. and uh, just taking over of areas where people are already have formed communities and societies and uh, relating that to the pirate polity uh, p- politics mm-hmm. and and party I'm wondering like are we seeing that people uh, in the pirate polity uh, p- party mm-hmm. and politics that people are reacting against this i guess um, Supposed colonization by government and state, and I would say, you know, corporate actors mm-hmm. with respect to their online communities and societies?
0: Yes, yes. And just to get a little bit more specificity on this concept of colonization, um, the, way, the way it's used uh, philosophically, or I would say linguistically, by Habermas, is to describe how... Uh, the process of reaching an agreement or a mutual understanding with each other through language and through conversation, um, when these processes get replaced by non linguistic processes or exchanges of money or exercises of power which bypass negotiations or, ne- or bypass discussion, right? Doesn't bypass the use of language uh, in solving problems and coordinating social action. That's evidence of cult- of cultural colonization. Mm-hmm. And what he's able to do is show how you know, there are, you know, entire fields of social action and cultural communication that are carved out by the system for replacement. Right. And, you know, we can we can identify co- colonization in all kinds of institutions, you know, education, medicine, um Uh, Among others, Uh, art, uh, music, you know, we can we can go down the we can go down the list. Um, And the fact that the Internet is 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 really a, um, you know, a life world of its own, which supports every institutional uh, framework for. For intersubjective communication uh, really really does you know help us i think it really helps support the the case for colonization because it really is like a cultural environment that supports all of our institutions um, but to your point about colonization being a borrowed a term borrowed from 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 uh, from from previous traditions yes i think i think you know colonialism uh, as a uh, as a as an economic model of uh, uh, early modern period and uh, discussions and discourses of post colonialism would be really helpful in in uh, um, um, in the discussion of pirate politics and in fact uh that's a conversation that we've just begun to have in the academic community uh, where for example, pirate modernities are being uh, uh, debated. In, you know how 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 there are uh, pirate alternative visions of modernity being articulated in the developing world, especially, which are more uh, uh, um, uh, dependent on pirate economies and pirated cultures for uh, for their for their uh, f- um, for their survival and for their flourishing. So I think, you know, the post colonial dis- discussion is one that would be fruitful, and I uh, look forward to engaging it. Didn't really get to it in this book, but I can definitely see the intersections.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, a question that arises is, and, and not just with the SPP and, and pirate parties all over the world and other. Emerging movements is what is it about the technology, or is there something about the technology that promotes or sparks or is a catalyst for movements or assists in uh, raising in engagement and, and activism? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is what is it about the technology?
0: Well, I mean, I think we can we can look at um, uh, media sociology and and media technologies for uh, instruction here, and it's it's really the ability of the internet as a communication platform to permit many to many communication as well as peer to peer communication in. Uh, in distributed networks and ad hoc networks and informal networks. And there's been so much research done you know, comparing mass media uh, technologies to new media technologies, for example, that we, could, we can turn to for, uh, uh, for instruction here. And in general, it's just you know the uh, the freedom and the flexibility that the internet provides for mobilization of resources mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, ideas and in terms of messaging, as well as capital and um, news and information and gossip. You know, <laughs> uh, all of these, all of these. Uh, All of these um, forms of media are uh, rapidly deployable and spreadable through the Internet. And uh, I think uh, in a way, you know, what pirate politics does is remind us of the fact that um, uh, this ability, the the abilities to communicate these these ways uh, are part of the stakes of the game, Mm -hmm. you know, and if we give up. Some of the uh, some of the freedoms that the internet provides us uh, to, to pursue these these functionalities, uh, you know, we also we also give up some some important political freedoms and political possibilities as well. And you know, I'm just thinking back to. You know the World uh, Trade Organization uh, protests in Seattle and Geneva, and some of the anti-globalization movements, the Occupy movement, mm-hmm. uh, the movement of the squares across North Africa and the Middle East um, in the in the last five years, uh, ten years, fifteen years, and a lot of these distributed conflicts really, uh, really wouldn't have been as visible or or as effective as as forms of uh political messaging uh, without the internet there as a as a uh as a as a dissemination platform now i want to be careful on i want to i want to qualify that by saying that you know access to the internet does not a social movement make right. uh, by any means and uh, mm-hmm. evgeny Morozov is uh, an author who reminds us time and time again that uh, the internet you know the use of the internet among radicals and among anti-establishmentarians um, can be used uh, can be used as a uh, um, as a as a tool for co-opting movements as well as for enabling them.
1: Mm -hmm. So, pirate politics, the new information contests, where do you see in the, I guess perhaps in the next year, two to five years, where do you see pirate politics going or
0: moving? Mm. I just finished this book, Jasmine, and you're asking me about the next one already. Um, well, I have to say, um, I I don't think we've we've seen the end of pirate politics. I think we're going to see it morph. Uh, you know, what's happened in Sweden is kind of sad. the uh, uh, the uh, The Pirate Bay four, who were put on trial a few years ago and convicted of uh, copyright crimes, mm-hmm. are um, you know, uh, being punished now uh, through fines and imprisonment. Uh, we've seen. Uh, we haven't talked about WikiLeaks. We, but you know, certainly the principles of uh, uh, WikiLeaks and other and other organizations oriented towards internet freedoms are uh, are under attack. And um, and uh, you know subject to, uh, activists of, of all stripes, but especially around internet freedoms are under a great deal of, of, uh, scrutiny. So, um, I think, uh, I think it's a dangerous, a dangerous juncture, but at the same time, I also think that there are enough young people who feel that they're, um, that they're, uh, You know, their their opportunities for social mobility depend on an untrammeled internet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think young people, in particular, are going to continually fuel the movement. Um, If you look at if you look at pirate politics from, you know, another perspective, which is as a political opportunity structure, you know, all of these threats to the internet provide the perfect basis for. Ongoing backlash, and so I think as you know, as the Snowden files keep keep piling up. For example, we we will reach a juncture where uh, there's um, you know more populist backlash against uh, internet colonization, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it may very well be that. you know, focus is turned on uh, the United States and the United States uh, surveillance uh, systems, and um, and maybe less attention is being directed uh, inwardly in, within the European Union. So there may there may be this this growing rift between the United States and our and our trading and and cultural allies across the Atlantic that uh, that generates uh, a a dynamic but you know the pressure the pressure is going to have to come from the grassroots because uh, at this point we don't we don't see um, corporate leadership and we certainly don't see uh, leadership in the European Union uh, right now that's uh, that's uh, focusing attention on pirate politics so it's going to have to be uh, a continuation of bottom up uh, mobilizations.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, the book uh, "Pirate Politics" is from MIT Press, right? And they can, the audience can find it Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, and MIT Press obviously is bookstore,
0: right? Yes, and I found it on the Pirate Bay a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> That is awesome. I probably shouldn't say that too loudly, or else my publicist is going to get angry with me.
1: <laughs> and where can they find other writings from you?
0: Well, uh, Music and Cyber Liberties is with uh, Wesleyan University Press. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also have a book out that's available in all the places you just mentioned, uh, uh, written with Tom McCourt, uh, called Digital Music Wars, uh, Ownership and Control of the Celestial Jukebox. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a few years old now, but it does provide an interesting technology and policy history that I think uh, uh, leads up to pirate politics quite nicely.
1: Great. Now, you're in uh, Helsinki, right now and are,
0: mm-hmm. you, are you doing more research on pirate politics well, yes I- yes i'm working with this great team here who at the university of helsinki who's looking at how the pirate politics message has contributed to some of the uh, European parliamentary election outcomes and campaigns and uh, looking for exactly these connections that you've been asking about so far uh, you know where the influence uh, has spread and where it's likely to lead and so we're in in many ways trying to make sense of how the movement is growing and evolving um, um, within and beyond the Swedish and German context.
1: Sounds good. And we look forward to hearing more about that. So, Patrick, thank you for coming on the show. This has You're been welcome. New Books and Technology. Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen.